Coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, by way of Stone Mountain, Georgia, birthed by the great state of South Carolina, is the Bryant Land Country Podcast, your place for any and everything in hunting, fishing, sports, and outdoor related, with heavy doses of randomness, guests, and an all-around good time. Here's your host, proud Gamecock, South Carolina forever, AB3. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me for another great, spectacular, stupendous episode of the Brightland Country Podcast. I'm glad that you guys took the time to download the podcast. Thank you for all your support, all the love that you've been showing me for this podcast over the last few months. People, this is episode number 40 episode number 40 man and let me tell you i know that sometimes it may not always live up to your expectations but we try to put on a damn good podcast and i'm very excited for to be able to say hey in the first year of podcasting we've knocked down 40 episodes a lot of people when they first start podcasting they usually quit after about 12. Some don't even make it to 10. I mean, we've made it to 40. We're in October. We started, the Janu- started in January. We've made it to the 10th month of the year. We've got 40 episodes of bad ass hunting, fishing, ATV riding, outdoor, car, trucks, whatever you want we got 40 episodes worth of content so far so i just want to say thank you to everyone that's been supporting the podcast from day one and for those that are continuing to support make sure you continue to tell people about our podcast rate and subscribe rate and review especially if you're on that uh, apple podcast gimmick Man, big shout out, big thank you to all of you because without you guys, we would not be here or be successful. Brightland. Now, before we get into the guest this week, I want to do a little bit of mailbag. I haven't done mailbag uh, in a few episodes here. You guys have been nice enough to either send me comments or questions either on Instagram at official Bryantland or send me uh, email or send me um, you know message through Twitter or whatever. But I got some questions and I want to share them with you guys because maybe they'll help you out. You know, I've answered them personally. The people that have actually taken the time to send them to me, I've made sure that I answer them back, but maybe these questions can help you. So let's first start all the way up in South Dakota. On Instagram, Adam GC3 from South Dakota sent me a message. He said, hey, hope your hunting season's going good. I got a question for you. Here in South Dakota, I've been using fixed broadheads under the impression that I won't have to worry about them failing or malfunctioning when I reach out to 50-plus yards. Being that you use expandables, what's the reliability behind them? Have you had any failures or flaws? 
I'm consider switching over so I can get that pinpoint accuracy and less wind deflection since this state blows, literally. <laughs> and while I'm here, might as well ask you which ones you stand behind and which ones you'd steer away from. Thanks, Adam. Well, first of all, great name, Adam, uh, up in South Dakota. Me, personally, when I first started bow hunting, I was using the NAP Hellraisers, great broadhead. Uh, when I was switched over to mechanical, I'm not going to lie, I switched over to mechanical because it's the mechanicals that I've used, when you take them out of the pack, those things fly true. They fly great. I know a lot of people say, well, that's just marketing junk, blah, 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 blah. The two brand expandables that I've used, I've never had a problem with as far as like the accuracy coming out. And I know a lot of guys are super anal about like, you know, tuning their bow and all that kind of stuff. But for me personally, I've used the Swagger Broadheads right out of the box. I've killed deer, hogs, and turkeys with those things. Never had a problem with them at all whatsoever. I have also tried shooting the No Collar Rage. I like those because they're easy. You just slide them back, put them down, and everything goes, you know, pretty good. You don't have to worry about bands or shock collars or any of the things of that nature. So those are the two that I would use. I haven't tried much anything else because usually I'm a creature of uh, once I find something, I kind of halfway uh, stick with it. So I don't have uh, one that I would say stay away from. But like I said, I've definitely killed with the Swackers. The no-collar rage I'm trying just because they're easy without the bands. And if you know anything about me, I like for things to be easy. So there you have it. Thanks for uh, sending a note and listening to the podcast. Brightland. All right, here's another great message that I received from Dogman underscore 34. It says, good morning. Love the page and everything stands for. I'm into the great outdoors and I have a dream to have a foundation such as yours to promote hunting and fishing, family and friends here down in Virginia. I mostly dog hunt with deer and rabbits. I just started turkey hunting and learning the ways of those stubborn turkeys. Any advice on how you started showing your love for the outdoors? Also, what might be a great way I can get started? And I answered uh, dogman underscore 34, and I told him, I said, basically, hey, man, just take your pictures, post your pictures, everything you know that you're doing uh, content is king, and it's not really a buzzword. You know, any kind of pictures, any kind of video, it doesn't even have to be super, super high-quality video uh, to start, even if you just got, like, an iPhone or whatever. Take pictures, do blog posts, excuse me, blog posts, like video uh, blog posts, but the key is to just get started. Put your content out there you know there's with social media these days you know it's so many people that you can reach and you don't have to wait uh for like a tv show or anything of that nature you can just get out and uh start doing it um i know me personally i have no aspirations of being the 
next great TV hunter or anything like that. Um, I take pictures of the stuff, you know, that we do out uh, out on the land um, when I go hunting or, you know, just out, you know, enjoying the outdoors. But uh, by no means am I trying to be, like I said, the next big, like, TV hunting star or anything like that. You know, I do this podcast uh, as an extension of my brand and to just be able to tell stories that otherwise, you know, may not get told or shed light on people who may not necessarily get the light, get the light focused on them. So, but if you're starting out and you want to start a brand or build a brand or something like that, man, I would just say take pictures, do your blog posts, do your video posts, make sure, like I said, you just providing as much original content as possible and be authentic okay um you know there's only one you so give the people you don't you know come out and try to be you know the bone collector or blitz tv or any of those guys that are out or real tree you know come out be yourself people that I find the most entertaining, and to me, the people that um, are doing the best are people that are 100% authentic and 100% being themselves. Brightland. Now, the last thing I need to clear up before I get into our guest this week, one of my listeners, a lady goes by the name of Pamela on uh, Instagram, she brought to my attention during the last podcast with uh, Jay Caldwell, uh, we were talking about, you know, deer size and score and whatnot, and I had mentioned that um, a couple seasons back, Jeff had killed two 130s, um, and she thought that that was uh, the deer's weight, and so for anyone out there who may have kind of missed that, 130s is the score on a deer. There are two scoring systems, and uh, Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett. Um, I know that the minimum for Pope and Young, 125, for deer taken with archery, and then Boone and Crockett goes up from there. But those are scores of the deer antlers. You have to have it done by an official score out there official uh, license score and if your deer that you killed is large enough uh, by antler size then your name can be in the books for the uh, record size of deer that you killed so uh, when we were referring to uh, 130s those two deer that Jeff killed um, back uh, a few years ago were scored in the 130s I don't remember exact the exact score but one was taken with a rifle, one was taken with a shotgun, or excuse me, one was taken with a rifle, one was taken with a bow, but they scored in the 130. So that's what we were referring to when we were talking about uh, deer and deer scoring. Now, the guest for this week, thank you, first of all, one more time, thank you for everyone that has sent in questions. Thank you for everyone that has sent messages, uh, whether it 
be via Instagram or Twitter or whatever the case, Facebook. Thank you. Keep those coming. Um, I will definitely answer them and I will read them on the podcast just so we can help others out there who may have similar questions to yours. So thank you again for that. Now, the guest this week brings me back to Cliff Cadet from episode 13, Urban Archery NYC. If you go back and you listen to that episode, Cliff is starting to get out and bow hunt. He's got his license, he's got his safety, uh, got a bow, learned how to shoot it, everything that you need to do step by step. And then a couple of weeks ago, he finally got a chance to go out on his first hunt in New York. I think he went upstate New York, I believe, went hunting. So we linked up again, and I wanted to find out how it went. Uh, He told me about it, so that is what our podcast is about. So without further ado, we're going to roll sound and let you guys listen to my conversation with Mr. Cliff Cadet from Urban Archery NYC on the BLCP, the Bryant Land Country Podcast. Bryant Land. Man, Cliff, welcome back to another fresh, updated episode of the Bryantland Country Podcast. Man, I was sitting in blind this morning, trying to get a little deer hunting, trying to make something happen myself, and during a quiet time when nothing was going on, I checked Instagram, as so many of us do, I don't care what you say. We all do it <laughs> when there's a little downtime between uh, activities or between um, things going on during the hunt. And I checked Instagram and I said, look, my man been out. He got out in the NYC. He went two hours away and got out there and tried to make it happen. And I was like, man, let me see if I can follow up with buddy and see how things went man i want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth man well how, how was it <laughs> all right well first man thanks thanks for having me back bro i appreciate it you you stuck you stuck your promise too you said it the first time i was on you was like the minute i've got some foot out in the field you're gonna have me back and you did literally a day later i appreciate that yeah but um yeah. but um dude it was it was an experience man a, a learning experience um, cause it's one of those, it's one of those things like you can plan all you want, but <laughs> things ain't always going to go your way. Cause <laughs> as a matter of fact, you know, what's, what's that saying? Um, if you ever want to hear God laugh, tell him what your plans are. Right. <laughs> you know right. What I'm so it, it was just, it was, it was just that, man. It was just that it was, um, let's see, started off, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I told you as, uh, my hunting buddy is my cousin. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So we've been planning the last couple of months to to hunt, period. Um, but over the last maybe two and a half, three months, I locked down this private property that a buddy of mine owns that he and his wife go up to every weekend. It's a six-acre piece of land Okay. where the house sits on a hill, like almost, it's like a rectangular piece of, uh, piece of land um, from the road is about maybe an acre and a half in from the road sits the house like at the top of the hill and then after that it's all downhill from there uh just nothing but timber and brush um so me and my cousin the last three months have been planning to um you know hunt that 
Uh, I've been putting in what work I could because uh, the property, depending on traffic, you know, on a good day, it's about an hour and a half away. With traffic, it's like two hours, maybe more away. Um, so whenever wow. I can, I, you know, I went, I put up trail cameras, um, four to be exact. That seems to be, that seems to be good enough for that particular piece of property. My buddy that owns the land actually helped me out. And whenever I couldn't get up there over the weekend, he would pull the, the SD cards from the camera and email me all the, um, you know, all the footage from them. Oh, um, wow. so that was a big, yeah, that was a big help because, with with work and family commitments, scouting is hard. You Definitely. Know so, so what I had done was um, when I first put up the trail cameras, I happened to spend the weekend up there with my family and my boy's family. And first thing I did was just scout, you know, for signs of life. Uh, what do you call it? Looking for trails, looking for game trails or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you know scrapes and so, rubs. Exactly. So I didn't find I didn't find scrape any scrapes and rubs, but all I found out was deer shit. You know, I'm sorry for cussing. No, you're good. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So all I found, I, what, is it referred to? Is it called scat? Uh, or is something else. Scat. Yeah, like um, like deer scat or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So so that that was really all I found, and that was that was basically wherever I found that was at the base of trees that were dropping acorns. Like there was no tomorrow. Yep. So, um, so I placed my, my cameras there and then, um, out of the four cameras, two cameras were producing, were showing movement regularly. So my buddy saw that and he moved them for me. And then basically all four of them started showing movement. So that's what I was going based off of. Okay. Lockdown, you know, over the last couple of months, lockdown, you know, what gear I was using, I committed to using, you know, a tree climber. Now, how, how, how is that? Because I caught a little bit of your video and I think you were just like, basically you need to kind of like go back to the drawing board as far as like, you know, just getting a little bit more proficient and a little more just getting a little bit more comfortable with it. Well, how did how did that work out? That when you bought it out, that okay. was the first time you climbed, or what? What? Well, yeah. Well, it was. Let me put it this way: I made the rookie mistake of of believing that. Well, you know what? I'm not even going to say it was a mistake because truth be told, I I did get a little cocky, but I kind of backed it up because <laughs> I was able to do it when I got out there. Right. Because it, it's it's. It's basically moving up. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're familiar. Moving up like an inchworm. You know, say I had right. my harness on. Yep. I had. I was. I was tied to the um, lineman's rope, and I had everything connected correctly. So I move up my lineman's rope, move up the seat, move up the the platform. Right. Yep. And then repeat, repeat. Now it was raining at the time, so in all honesty, I couldn't. I honestly didn't know if it was something I should be doing in the rain. If you know what I'm saying, because the trees on that property are tall, I mean, really tall, and provide really good cover from the elements. Mm-hmm. But because it was raining so hard, some some raindrops are getting through, trees are getting wet and slick. And then I had a fear that, you know what, God forbid the teeth on the climber won't grab and it might slide down. Right. Now, right. now I, you know, I, was pretty comfortable or confident that I could still go up and I planned on it. But my cousin kind of encountered a problem. He was having a little bit of difficulty maneuvering. And then on top of that, 
the strap um, that attaches the seat to the frame was tearing. Mm. Now, I can't honestly tell you if it was user error mm-hmm. or if it was something wrong with the with the product. I just didn't want to risk it with him because he's he's a big dude. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I I made sure I made sure he got that climber because I did my research on it. I knew it could hold a good amount of weight. Um, granted, the amount of weight it could support it was way more than what he what he weighs. But being that, you know, I'm kind of I I think I've been I've invested a little bit more time in research and learning over the last six seven months than he has. Gotcha. So I kind of felt. I don't feel like I was mentoring him or anything like that, but I kind of felt responsible for him, at least safety-wise. Yeah, yeah. You err on the side of caution and and better safe than than sorry. So, no, that was – I totally understand uh, where you're coming from there because that's the thing. Like, I took my climber out for a little bit and just kind of monkeyed around with it. You know, and even the first couple times, I didn't go no higher than, like – maybe like five or six feet. Like it was just like a comfort thing, like just playing around with it. And I'm behind the eight ball because I was supposed to do it over the summer. So by the time deer season kicked in, you know, I'd be proficient at it and be ready to go. But the the learning curve, I think just from working at the little bit that I've been working at, the learning curve is not that steep. And, you know, once you yeah. just practice and get comfortable with it, and man, I'm looking forward to it because I'm just looking forward to the, divers- the versatility and being able, well, you know, uh, being able to work a climber. Yeah, well, not for nothing. Like, I I believe I got comfortable with, with it real quick because at first, like, I set my cousin up with his climber, and I was like, you got this? He's like, yeah, I got this. So I went, set up my climber, because what I did was, like I said, I, I wanted him close to me for safety reasons, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I had him set up in a tree about 10 yards from me. From me. I had him so, and this was around basically kind of like setting up um, an amber spot, if you will, where if in either direction, if the does came through, the does that the our camera came through, one of us, you know, could get a good shot. Yeah. So, so I had him about 10 yards from me. And so he was set up. So I got into my climb and set it up. I got up about 10 feet when I realized he was having trouble. So I climbed back down. Right. And then, tried to help him as best as possible. Once I thought he was good to go, I went back again, got up about 10 feet, realized he was still having some issues, came back down again. So I did this like probably two, three, uh, about three times going up and down like that. So, which is why my level of comfort was there. But the thing is I never got to get above like 10 feet because I was trying to help him out. And then, you know, we figured out there was some kind of tearing somewhere. So once, once we saw that, that there was an issue with the, with the climber, you know, he was trying to be cool about it, and he was like, you know what, I'm going to take the, the climber down, and I'm just going to post up on this tree, and you could you could sit up in your climber. And I was like, nah. I was like, I wasn't going to let it rock like that. You know what I'm saying? It, it, either both of us were going to be up in a tree, or both of us were going to be on foot. Gotcha. So now, with it pouring on us like that, I honestly couldn't remember what I had learned in terms of deer movement in the ring. Right? Now... What I normally would have done was I would have done like a quick Google search right then and there, but the area that I'm in had no cell phone or data signal. Right. So yeah. that's yeah. A, that's another that, that's another reason why safety was paramount for me. So um, so I was like, damn. I was like, for some reason I had thought I'm like, you know what? 
there's not going to be any movement with, with the rain coming down as hard as it, as it is. So I was like, at the end of the day, we, I was like, let's take the climbers back to the truck and and then just go from there, right? So now, while we were at the truck, all right. actually, you know what I'm saying? I'm wrong. I'll tell you the story wrong. There were two <laughs> occasions. First, first, we had the, before we found out there was the, the problem with the tree climber, because it was pouring so hard, what we did was we removed the seats, left the platforms, and decided we were going to head back and try to let the rain die down. That's when I got like one bar and was able to Google that deer, deer still moving the rain. Right, you know what I'm right. So I was like, all right, so let's do that. All right. We buckled down. It's just like, you know what? F it. We're just going to deal with the rain. If the deer are moving, then so are we. So right, went right. back to the spot. That's when we went through the issues with figuring out that his, his climber was damaged. And that's when we were like, I'm not going to lie. I was getting frustrated as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so finally, I was just like, "Yo, all right, if you're not in the climber, neither one of us are in the climber. Let's go back, all right." So now, this is the second time we're going back to the truck. This time to drop off our climbers. As we're walking back to the truck, we were walking maybe about thirty or forty yards away from this one spot where the trail camera shows a lot of deer movement. Right. Mm-hmm. So my cousin's trailing behind me like about ten yards. And he was trying to get my attention, but I didn't hear him. And he, um, when he finally caught up to me, he's like, yo, he's like, there was a doe right there by this spot. He goes, it spotted me and ran off. I was like, all right, fuck this. I was like, you take the, the, my climber, put it back in the truck. I'm going uh, stalking because it wasn't a spot and stuff. But I didn't spot it. So I decided, I asked my cousin, I was like, which direction did this doe go in? He pointed and I just started walking. So started trailing this, this doe where I thought it might be headed because mm-hmm. I I'm I was assuming that there was a trail that were, they were walking between these two spots. Like I said, these two cameras that were showing the most movement right, over right. the last couple of months. So I basically real slow. What normally I guess I guess you would know would be like a five minute walk took me like almost thirty minutes, maybe longer, to walk like real slow, like trying not to step on on any twig because what was dope was the rain coming down like it did moistened up the, the the leaves so it wasn't like it was for me like a week or so ago when i was walking through that same property and uh the leaves were crunching like doritos right right softened it up a little bit exactly so the only thing i was worried about were the twigs because that doesn't soften up those things are still cracking and breaking and making noise like crazy so I walk this 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 trail that I'm assuming these these does are walking um, over back to that spot that um, we were originally trying to set up our, uh, our climbers at. So I get to about like maybe 20, 30 yards from there, and to be honest, I did not see this doe. Talk <laughs> about camouflage, bro! Like I did not see it until it saw me, like literally picked up its head, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Looked at me and just hopped away. All I saw was this white behind, hopping away, like <laughs> out. I was like, son of a bitch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I just did all of this. I was within like 20, 30 yards of this door. You know what I'm saying? 
And the thing is, what was really cool was I honestly played the wind. The entire time I was walking, the wind was in my face. Okay. Yeah. I'm creeping, I'm creeping, I'm moving slow. Yep. The wind is in my face. So I don't think it smelled me. But then again, like I said, I, I, you know I'm the rookie here. It, it so, probably the move. It's it, probably your movement, like you say. It, it spotted your movement, and it was just kind of like, okay, something's not right here. And then, you know, the least little thing, especially if they're on, you know, high alert or whatever, you know, they're gonna take off. But I mean, so that that's just you know par for the course. But how was uh? How was your cousin during all of this, like with all the different things going on and stuff? Was he just as frustrated as you were, or was he kind of chill, or what? Nah, I, th- I think he took it in stride, because mainly, all right, so kind of backtracking a little, like I had planned to, my goal was to be on the road by 3 a.m., all right? I told him I'd be downstairs outside his apartment building by 2.30 a.m., you know what I'm saying? Right. I mapped it, I mapped it out. I was like, with no traffic that early in the morning, hour and a half, you know, to get up there. So I was like, 2.30, we get up there, bring down any gear we need to bring, 3 o'clock, be in the in the car, be heading up to where we need to head up to. Right. I get there, 2.30, man. I bring my, with like, some, some of my hunting clothes upstairs to transfer to a bag. I do that. I'm watching my cousin, man. He's trying on his harness for the first time. <laughs> I was like, really? I, I love my cousin. He's like a brother to me, but I had to bite my tongue at that point. Like, I didn't say nothing. Right, right. Then, then after, after he does that, he's messing, he's messing around with his own, with his climber for the first time, uh, strapping on the seat. And, and then, and then he's walking around looking for stuff. Um, and I'm like, Oh my God. Right. So, um, so then we do that. And just to give you an idea, I got there at two 30. We didn't leave till 4 a.m. Yeah, so I've had those trips so, though. I, I've had those trips. I mean that that happens. That's one right. of those things. Like you say, you just kind of you live and learn. Like, all right, look, we got a new organization. It's got to be a you know organizations at a premium here. You know, the better that you're organized when you get up in the morning. You know, you just give yourself that much more of a chance. Because I mean, I've gotten. You know, had it uh, gone on hunts where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to bed, I'm gonna get my rest, and then I'll just get up and pack in the morning, and then I oversleep, and then it's just, you know, it's all, it's like a snowball, it's just all downhill from there. So it's just one of those things, like you said, when when you go through it, you just kind of look back at it, like, okay, now now we know. Yeah, but you know how you just said it snowballs. It got better. <laughs> uh, it, it got better. So 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 check this. So we get to the spot, we park up, right? And um and we start getting changed, we start getting dressed. We go we get our camo on the whole nine, get our bows out. You know, Adam, he forgot his broadheads. <laughs> yeah. Like again, I, I know I know I'm not painting my cousin in a favorable light, but because it, it, it's funny, it's funny now. I'm not gonna lie, it's funny now. Right. right? So right. he forgot his broadhead. So Luckily, I had six arrows ready to go, all with, with broadheads on them. So I took off three broadheads. I gave it to him. You know what I'm Because I knew, the one thing I knew about his arrows were they had, um, you know, 100-grain uh, field tips on them. Okay, yeah. So the the reason why I'm using the broadheads that I am is because they shoot, like, you know, field tips, field points. So it shouldn't have, it, it wouldn't affect 
his shooting. So I, was, so I gave him three of mine, and so I rocked with three arrows, bloodhead tip um, arrows, right? Right, right, right. So now I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're good. Turns out he forgot his quiver. <laughs> so I was like, I'm, yeah, exactly. Wow. So, so then wow. that that so that was the, that was the, that was before we even got to to the spot with our climate. That's what happened before that. Oh, so man. and that and that was basically it. Then that happened with the climbers. Then um, then. Like I said, I, I went on that little, you know, spot and stalk, mm. more stalking, like I said, because the deer spotted me. You know, you know what I'm saying? I didn't spot it. it. It it ran off. I stayed in that spot, you know, took a knee, uh, you know, posted up against a tree and just, you know, waited for a little bit. And then about 45 minutes later, I hit crunching behind me. It's my cousin. <laughs> so <laughs> so he he was trying to catch up with me, but... I know if I heard him, you know, come up behind me, any any deer in the woods would have heard him as well. So um, so right after that, that was by about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. One of the cool things was that um, they say, or I've heard it said a lot, like if if you're not doing an all-day sit, you know what I'm saying, if you're doing a morning and afternoon sit, the best time to come down from your morning sit is to wait for the the wood to kind of settle down the forest to settle down right and right. honestly i kind of i kind of heard that you you could hear when it wasn't as much noise as much as commo- as much commotion going on kind of like it felt to me like the early hours were kind of like rush hour for everything going on in the woods right the right. middle of the day kind of slows down you know what i'm saying so at that point once once i felt that and I felt comfortable with that, which was around like 11. I was like, let's get out the woods, go grab some food, which we did. And so we, we were gone for a good amount of time. And then we came back and just sat in the car. Now, the thing about the property is my buddy has neighbors. And yesterday, at least in New York, I don't know about anybody else, but uh, the last Monday and Tuesday were Jewish holidays. Right. So yep. kids, are home, from, kids yep. are home from school. So... Some parents are home too, so I'm trying to be as quiet as possible. You know, driving up, I'm making as little noise as possible when we're opening and closing the doors. Because there's a dang dog at the neighbor's house that's just barking his head off. You know, what I'm saying, yeah. and I'm just like, I'm just trying to be like, you know, a ninja with it, being as quiet <laughs> as possible. <laughs> so, so now it's about two thirty, three o'clock, and. Like the it was overcast all morning, well into midday, like no sun out whatsoever. And it was pretty cool, like 60, 70 degrees, nothing crazy. All of a sudden, sky opened up, sun is beaming everywhere. And I'm not gonna lie, Adam, the first thing that I thought of was thermals. I was like, the sun is is beaming right now. This air is gonna get warm, it's gonna get hot. Yeah. And uh you, you, the air's gonna go up, so I was like, "All right, let's let's be, you know, quiet with it." I was like, "I told him you're gonna go here to this spot, take a knee, and just listen, you know, just look, and just pay attention to anything you see movement or whatever. You see a doe, you get a shot, take it." I was like, "And I'm gonna go over here to this spot. I'm gonna do the same thing." I was like, "We're both gonna stay in our spots and not go any place else until about." Six o'clock, six fifteen. All right. 
because the the truth be told, um, in New York State, you can only hunt till sunset. Um, I don't, if I'm correct, you you know, some some cities and states give you till, you know, you can start as early as 30 minutes before sunrise, right? As late as 30 minutes after sunset. sunset. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. New York, New York State, I don't believe has that. It's only sunrise to sunset, and that's it. Gotcha. So the um. I'm in the process of trying to find another processor, meat processor, but the only meat processor I was able to hook up with and, you know, trying to establish something, dude closes at 7.30. Like, he was adamant about that. Oh, and, yeah, and he's 30 minutes away from from where we were hunting from. So if, if per se, you know what I'm saying, oh, we shot a deer at 6 o'clock or 6.15, Got to give it time to one, definitely die. Yeah, right. you know what I'm saying. <laughs> make, then you got to make sure you got to make sure it's dead. Then I got to gut it. Then we got to carry it like all the way back to the car, right. and then drive 30 minutes to this processor. So I already knew, you know what I'm saying. Like there was no way, if even if we got a deer at sunset, that we were going to get it to this processor in time to to take care of it. And the thing is, we're an hour and a half, two hours away from home. So there's, I don't have a refrigerator at home or freezer to keep, or, or refrigerated locker to keep it in. Picture me trying to come home, my my little two bedroom apartment. What's my <laughs> wife gonna say? Uh, where's that going? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Trying to gut a deer in there. Yeah. No. So so time so time necessarily wasn't on our side. Now speaking to some other people today, um, I realized I should have stayed in the woods till at least the sun went down. You know what I'm saying? Just to get that experience and seeing the light, the light go away and so on, see what low light looks like and stuff like that. Yeah. But I had a rookie mistake being I had thought if there was no, like, if I can't shoot anything after six o'clock because I won't be able to get it to a meat processor, then I might as well just get out of the woods. But now, knowing what I know now and speaking to the people that I did today, you know what? I kind of see the light. I have a better understanding of. You know what? Especially if you're in a stand or a climber, don't come out. So whether you you killed anything or not, or whatever your circumstances are, don't come out of the woods till till the sun goes down. Yeah, and I mean, so. it, and those things aren't like absolute. Like you know, like I try to get in before or try to get in. You know, while it's still dark and before sunset. You know, it, it's really cool to get in. And then just get settled, calm down, and then just listen to the woods come alive and the lights as it coming up, and you can hear the owls and the crows and you know all different things and stuff going on. And then at the end, you know, my thing is always just safety. Like if I'm in a blind, then yeah, I'll push it. You know, the sun will go down, and I'll still have a little bit of light or whatever to walk out. Or if I'm in a in a stand, you know, just trying to come down. You know, just make sure you got enough light to see. Same thing with, like, with a climber. I mean, I don't know how much you want to push it and then be trying to climb down in the dark. So, I mean, all those things are good. They're good, you know, rules of thumb. But I think as you found out, you know, with your with your experience, you know, once things start kind of happening, you just kind of have to adjust and then just do the smart thing and then do what's right, you know, for safety and what's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. So when's the next time you're going back? So, um, my wife permitting, um, <laughs> I should be, uh, I should be out there again. I should be out there again Sunday morning trying to do a morning fit. Okay. Cause, um, 
I'm because I really want to see or get an idea whether or not the deer are moving. Because all right, so here's the deal: my buddy is having family over that weekend, so they should still be there in the house come Sunday morning. Now the thing is, they go up there every weekend, and my trail cameras have picked up movement even when they're there on the weekend. Okay. So, so I want to see um, if if it's feasible for me to actually hunt during the times that they're, they're not, I mean, during the times that they are there on the weekend. So, um, I was just thinking about that. Uh, so like I said, it's, uh, you know, family commitments aside, if, if I can, you know, get away early morning Sunday, then I want to, you know, get out there Sunday morning. But a funny ending to the story though, uh, for yesterday's hunt is that, we pulled out of the driveway to head home and we're driving down the road, literally maybe about 50 yards from the, from the driveway entrance. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was that doe standing on the side of the road, bro. <laughs> he was straight mocking us, just looking at us as we're driving by. <laughs> Y'all come back now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's it, it, you know hilarious. What it was like? You know what it was like? It's kind of like the road runner and the, and the coyote. It's like, me, me. Right. Just like add an insult to to injury. <laughs> but um all in all, it was a, it was an awesome experience. Like it's um it was it was a learning experience in that in terms of the logistics of it and planning, you know, what to take, what not to take, how to how to set how to set stuff aside, your gear and everything like that. Yep. And then um and then like I swear, like I was watching the weather forecast for like a week. And I had no clue that it was going to rain the way it did um, yesterday. And so that was unexpected. So my my goal now, honestly, out of everything that we, you know, that I dealt with yesterday, it's, it's that um, I want to get, I, I felt comfortable with my climber, but I want to be nice with it. Like I want to be ill with my climber where right. I can get up and down, like with no problem. You right. know what I'm saying? And, um, and then I guess I got to work on my stuff, like just, just moving, you know what I'm saying? Moving with purpose. Cause that's one of the things I definitely picked up yesterday was squirrels were pissing me off, man. So like every time I heard, yo, there was these two squirrels in particular, bro, chasing each other around the woods. There, um, it's like they were playing their own little game of tag. There is and every not time a, I heard something. Yep. There is not a hunter alive that hasn't had... <laughs> There are issues with squirrels. When you go squirrel hunting, you can hardly find them. But as soon as deer season starts, they're going back and forth in the trees, swinging off branches, breaking twigs, and you never knew two such such a small animal could sound like such a big animal. But yeah, yeah, you just... exactly. <laughs> but what it what it taught me though was to kind of move with purpose. Because what happened was I realized. Every time I heard something, I was jumping. Like, I was turning my neck, like, you know what I'm saying? And then I realized, I'm like, you know what? If that really was a deer, though, I would have given away my position with the way that I was, you know, jumping and turning around and look what, you know, wherever that sound came from. Right. So, in that last hour, I was, yeah, so with that last hour, I heard a noise. I'd slowly turn my head, slowly turn my body. You know what I'm saying? Like, I kept my foot, like, if I was standing... I kept my feet exactly where they were so I wouldn't, you know, mistakenly step on a twig or anything like that or wrestle up some leaves. And, um, you know, I turned, looked to see where that sound came from and then slowly turned back. 
So that was pretty cool to learn as well. Right. Yep. But, um, yep. Yep. Like I said, uh, a lot of takeaways, man. Just just for that, you know, one day, I can only imagine how much more I'm going to learn, you know, as the season progresses. Do you do you feel good about it? Because like I was looking at at your video, man. You could tell you you were a little like you like you said you you was a little upset or whatever. But like once you you know, kind of calmed down, got out of the moment, and like you said, looking back at it, overall, though, you you, you, you feel good about it, right? You, you're glad you finally got out there. Yeah, man. It's like, it's what do they say? It's, it's like a bad day in the woods is better than, you know, a day at work. Yeah, yeah, you I saw somebody me? put and that, so, and, yep. And and that's, and I can now, I can now relate to that because it's true. Because granted, it's, it's private property and there's a house, you know, over yonder and whatnot. It's the, those woods at the back. It's like I felt like I'm in a forest. You feel me? And yep. it's like there's hills, there's a cliff I can go down, and it's like I'm out in the forest. I'm out on public land or something like that. Like that's how I feel. I'm away. I was away from the hustle and bustle of of the city of of my job and whatnot. Granted, I miss my family. Like my little man, he's seven years old, and when I speak to him about what I'm doing, he wants to come with me. So I'm but now it's it's hard because I'm still trying to figure it out myself, but I want to get him out there too. Sure, you know yep. what I'm saying? Just to at least sit there with me and watch. Yep. So I'm so as I'm trying to learn everything, I'm also trying to figure out a way to get him out there with me. So it's it's it, you know what I'm saying? It was just dope, man, just to get out there. And it's one of those like I'm trying to figure out. Somebody called it a, a drug, and it's like <laughs> honestly, honestly, feel like. I feel like I'm trying to figure out when am I going to get my next hit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? No, it's, so, it's, that's definitely how it is. <laughs> and so, you know what I'm saying? So, granted, in, in the moment, I was disappointed about how it turned out logistically. I was disappointed in, you know, in the weather. I was disappointed in getting spotted by this doe. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you know, this this animal has evolved to survive being around us. Right. You know what I'm saying? Its sole purpose is to live. Right. You know what I'm saying? To, yep. to keep from getting shot by us, to eat by us, whatever it is. So it's evolved. It's, you know, it's hearing, it's sense of hearing, it's sense of smell, the whole nine to, to be able to get away from us. So the fact that it got away from me, it wasn't, wasn't a hard thing for it to do. You know what I'm saying? Because I might as well have been out, of the, out there with pots and pans clanging. You know what I'm saying? Announcing my presence. So, so you know what I'm saying? I'm not... Granted, yesterday I was disappointed, like I said, with the logistics of it and again spotted. But then today, I'm able to sit here and talk about it and laugh. True. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. I, I bear no ill... I bear no ill will towards my cousin. Granted, I wanted to probably strangle him yesterday. But today, <laughs> I'm, I'm able to laugh about it. And I learned. You know what I'm saying? I know what to do, what not to do. What... what what did work, what didn't work, and so on. You know what I'm saying? So now, it's just a cool experience. No, is, is he gonna go, go ahead, back? No, no, I'm sorry. Is he gonna go back out with you uh, when you go back out? Yeah, like I'm not gonna lie. On the way home, I was like, I'm not going back out with this dude. But, <laughs> um, but I'm like, but the thing is though, that's that's my bro. That's my brother. You know what I'm saying? That's right. like, right? It, it's it's one of those where. You know what? I put in a lot of time these last couple of months, and you know what? If I could pass on what I've learned with you know to him, 
then I'm gonna go ahead and do it. But there's only it's like it's it's one of those there's only so much you could teach a person before you you have to say you know what all right I'm good because it was that saying you can lead a, a horse to water but you can't make him drink right right, right. So, you can only so take them it's like that take them so far and then you kind of gotta you know they gotta sink or swim on their own like yeah, you can only take exactly. them so far exactly so which is why at the end of the day yesterday that that second half of the day that second sit I was like all right you know what you go to this spot I'm gonna go to this spot. And let's agree we're just gonna stay here this particular time, and then we'll meet back up at the call. And I, and so that's what we did. It, it was one of those. It's I think I think he needed some time for himself to kind of learn a couple of things, and then I needed some time myself to just kind of soak in the woods myself. You know, saying see what I wanted to see, learn what I wanted to learn. Sure. From yep. that. So, and that was that was basically it, man. It's it's. It was really cool. It was just a dope experience. Like, I can't. Like I said, it. I was I was kind of disappointed by some things that happened, but at the end of the day, it it still wasn't a negative experience. Right, right, and I mean, of course, you know, you got a lot of you know a lot of equity built up in that thing, man. I mean, like you said, six seven months of just preparing and waiting and you know trying to get things done and build up and the build up and then you know to get out of the gate and you kind of stumble out of the gate a little bit yeah it can be a little frustrating but man this is you know this is a long journey if you will i mean season is a long season and just think it's just your first one just think you know how much more you're gonna have when you get ready to go into deer season next year i mean after you complete this season i mean so it, it it's you know, it, there there are worse ways to start a season. I'll just say that. And I mean, hell, I went out the other morning and didn't, you know, in the in trying to turn my lights off, didn't turn them all the way off. And as soon as I opened my door, it's just like ding, 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 ding. It's like, all right, well, every deer in the county now knows that I'm here. And <laughs> you know, and and I dropped my keys. Uh, the um, my cover scent like spilled and all kind of stuff, and then I got in the blind, sat down, and saw, like, three deer. So, I mean, it, it's definitely not a always a, a foreshadow of what's going to happen on any, you know, particular hunt. So, but the good thing is, as long as you keep going out and you can keep doing it, the more you're going to learn, you know? Yeah, man, it's all, it's all part of the process, man, is I'm not quitting I, you know, I was about to say I'm not quitting anytime soon, but it's not even that. I ain't quitting, period. So it, it's one of those things, like I say, on my little, you know, Monday motivation rant. Right. It's 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 all part of the process. Any failures, any mistakes made are just, you know, stepping stones to, you know, on just that path to whatever it is you're trying to achieve and whatnot. Man, that's what's up. So what else do you got going on? Are you going to do any more um, social media stuff while you're uh, doing your hunts, like documenting your hunts yeah. or uh, any kind of lives or anything like that? Well, all right. So here's, here's the deal. It's um, All right. So months ago when we first spoke, you know, Urban Archery NYC was, you know, just a name. Yep. Know, the, the start of a brand, I should say. So I've been working to kind of just build up that brand, you know, constantly posting, constantly sharing my story, developing kind of um, a mission statement, if you will. And so I came to realization that what I really wanted Urban Archery NYC to be was 
a faith-based company, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm a Christian. Granted, I cuss like all heck, you know what I'm saying? But God knows my heart, and that's hey, all that matters. Ain't nobody um, perfect. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so it, Urban Archery NYC is what I'm developing it to be, is a faith-based, com- faith-based company that is looking to, the three words I focus on is engage, inform, and educate new hunters, all right? Okay. Um, with the, with the focus on, you know, people of color, you know what I'm saying? Cause in the community, in the hunting community, we're underrepresented in the hunting industry, even more so, you know what I'm saying? What, like I said, with a focus on people of color and even more so people from urban areas, because truth is, um, the logistics of it coming from the big city, man, it's, it's hard, bro. Yeah. It's like, it's honestly, I get off of work, like, you know what I'm saying? I work 10, 12 hour days. So ain't no way in hell that I can get out of work and go out in the woods and start scouting. There's no daylight when I get out of work. Right. You know what I'm saying? I ain't finding no rugs. I'm not finding no scrapes. So I'm hoping that one, by sharing my journey, I'm going to make things a little bit easier for other people trying to, um, you know, trying to, trying to learn. And what I'm also trying to do is not even my whole state, but just my city is identify areas that are lacking for, for new hunters, because I'll give you a perfect example. In my own journey, I found that it was hard to find hunter safety courses, bow hunter safety courses, you know, the classes you need to take in order to get your license. They were barely being offered in the five boroughs of New York City. Mm. So, so what I did was I applied to be an instructor. And I've actually, fingers crossed, there's an, an environmental conversation conservation officer is coming to my home on Friday to interview me because it's part of the process of becoming a hunter safety instructor. Oh, wow. So I figure, yeah, so I figure I've identified a problem. Let me be part of the solution. You know what I'm saying? Because like I said, in my, in my borough, in my city, the, the, the hunter safety classes are few and far between. And that's in the five boroughs. I don't really know. Cause to be honest, the hunters, the hunters ed class, I had to go outside the city to go take that. Um, then for the bow hunter safety, um, actually, I had to, it was actually in my borough. I was able to find one. But, like, the ones that they offer in Queens and Brooklyn and whatnot, they're usually, like, uh, two, three months apart whenever they offer them. Now, Long Island, which is in the city, is further out east. They offer them like maybe every month at a different spot. Um, every yeah, like one or two every month at a different like at a gun range and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But in New York City, there aren't many. Well, you know what? I'm lying. You know what? There's there is a hunter safety class that is offered every month in Chinatown in New York City. That's right. That right? was the one but I saw you post about that, but it was it, it's uh, done in Chinese, right? Yeah, exactly. So every <laughs> month, these, these cats, these cats are, are running the class so they want people. You know what I'm saying? And I feel them. It's done, it's done in Chinese and whatnot. Um, I think Cantonese to be, to be specific, mm-hmm. but it's specifically for them. So hunters who speak that language, who read and write in that language can take the course, which is so dope. But I want to be able to open it up to the entire city. So, right. So yeah, like I said, I applied to be, uh, you know, uh, a hunter's ed instructor. I got an interview with a with an officer, um, a conservation officer, this Friday night, which is pretty cool. Uh, 
um, and hopefully everything goes well, I'll be able to offer, you know, the next step will be trying to lock down a spot. And then come next year, I'll be able to start offering these classes and whatnot. Man, that's the other dope, thing, man. The, uh, yeah, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. The other thing is I'm trying to set up something kind of like um, what the Illinois DEC is doing. Or I believe the organization is um, Illinois Learn to Hunt. Um, mm-hmm. I know I probably got the, I think I got the, the name asked backwards. I'm sorry. But no, I know what you're talking about. It's up. like a learn, a learn so to yeah. hunt program. Exactly. Yep. So that's the, that's the other thing is, um, they were really dope, really cool about sharing their information about all their classes. So they blessed me with all that info and, um, you know, fingers crossed, you know, a lot of late nights, I'm trying to put something together, whether it be a workshop or whatever, um, and it's not something that I'm creating out of thin air because I'm far, I'm far from a, a seasoned hunter. So whatever information I share, like even being in hunter's ed, I'm taking information I've already learned that comes from a textbook. So I'm literally um, teaching something that's already been written. So which is which is why I I kind of went out on a limb to do that because it's something that's already been written and I can just teach from a book and help somebody get their hunting license. Right now this this learn to hunt thing is like i said the illinois learn to hunt program they were kind enough to to share this information and hopefully i can take that and and implement the same thing here in new york city you know what I'm saying and offer at least put it out there and offer it to those who are new to hunting because there were there were a lot of guys um and gals that were in my hunter's ed class and, you know, and the bow hunters, uh, safety class that were like, Oh, who are you, you going out with anybody? Where are you going? What are you doing? Have you heard about this? How do you do this? What about field dressing? Like these were all questions that had nothing to necessarily do or had to do with, you know, hunters ed, but I know they wanted more in depth learning. And that's not, that's not what was necessary in the class. The class focused mainly on safety. You know what I'm saying? Which I totally understand, but people want to learn certain skills like how to steel dress, you know, uh, a deer, how to steel dress an animal, period. Right. You yep. know what I'm saying? Granted, the Hunter's Ed class covers it a little bit, but I've heard of workshops that sometimes bring some kind of game animal and actually walk you through, walk you through steel dressing it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's something like that. Like, like I said, it's, it's, I'm identifying where my city, not my state, my city is lacking in terms of supporting new hunters, and I'm gonna do my best to address it, man. Man, that's what's up. That sounds like you got some really awesome endeavors, and look at you already, you know, setting stuff up for the next person behind you, man. That's really cool. No, I appreciate that, bro. Yeah, man. So now, are you gonna do another season of your uh, Instagram live as well? Not Instagram live. But thinking about going on your route and developing a podcast, what I'm hoping to do is because what happened was with Instagram Live, I was I was limited. I was limited to it being a live format. I was limited to the one hour time limit on um, on Instagram Live. Right. I was limited. I was limited to. It was difficult to kind of record and then put and put the content on YouTube and stuff like that. So 
what I've been doing is I kind of re- kind of doing some research who I'd want to interview. A lot of a lot of people I've already interviewed, like yourself. I'm hoping to have on this second incarnation of When the Hunt Calls. Um, basically, as like I said, a podcast. I mean, listening to cats like you um, and and other podcasts like I've listened to, it's kind of inspiring. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I could do this. It it kind of keeps the same flow, same same um, feel as the Instagram Live, but put it in a podcast format because then it's more like I think I'd have more. So what I'm looking for, it would be a lot. I have more flexibility in terms of you know interviewing guests, recording conversations with them, and then editing and then getting it out to the masses. Yep. So yep. so. I'm putting it out there right now, brother. I'm I'm be more more than honored if you be you know when the time comes if you be willing to be one of my guests on the podcast. Yeah. I the only thing you gotta do is just make the call, man. It, it, it's I, nothing but a word. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. It's, it's you know what it this the one of the greatest things about deciding to hunt has been you know coming across people like yourself many 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 others that have been just so support that have been just so supportive yeah man you got a you got a, a a fan base that that's growing and people that want your content and people that want to you know learn or understand or may even be living vicariously through through what you're doing so man i'm, I'm happy for you you're doing you're doing great stuff bro it's good stuff i appreciate that Man, I know it is late and you have worked a uh, full day for the United Parcel Service. So before <laughs> I get you out of here, just tell people where they can find you, where they can find all your YouTube stuff. Uh, let folks know where to get at you, man. All right. Um, so I post heavily on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram at Urban Archery NYC. Yo, hit me up. Uh, like follow, share, all that, and then some. I'm also on uh, Facebook, Urban Archery NYC as well. Twitter, same handle, uh, at Urban Archery NYC. And I'm also on YouTube, same thing, Urban Archery NYC. YouTube is kind of defunct, but look for more content coming soon. Uh, A lot of that content um, addressing probably some issues new, uh, new hunters are having in regards to, you know, regulations and things like that that their DC or DNR might have and how to kind of navigate it. So again, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Inarchy NYC. Awesome. Awesome. Cliff, man, I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time to come through. And uh, like I said, whenever you get ready, man, just let me know. All right. Man, thank you for having me, man. And, and I appreciate again, all your help, all your support and just being available, you know, whenever I have a question too. Brightland. All right, now one more time for Cliff Cadet Urban Archery NYC. Thank you again for coming on and catching us up to date with what has been going on since we talked to you last. Remember, go back and listen to earlier episodes, uh, or should I say the earlier episode uh, with Cliff, and then obviously the one that we just finished. So uh, glad to see that he's out there. Um, and that he has started his season. Hopefully before the end of the season, we will have Cliff talking about 
you know, getting the deer down there on the ground. Before I get out of here, just want to say to you guys, BryantLandCountry.com, BryantLandCountry.com, one-stop shopping for everything Bryantland, merchandise, podcasts, videos, everything is on the website, BryantLandCountry.com. Make sure you go stop by, check it out, pick up some merch, tell a friend to tell a friend. That is going to wrap up episode 40 of the Bryant Land Country Podcast. Once again, I cannot stress enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for helping us get to 40. We are marching on the 50. I think we will have at least 50 episodes done by the end of the year, somewhere close, maybe. Um, I got to look and see, see how everything's going to line out. But at any rate, we got to 40. We didn't know if we would get to 40 when we first started. So thank you again for continuing to support our support our podcast. Make sure you come back next week for another episode of the Brian Land Country Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Brian Land Country Podcast, hosted by AB3. Please leave us a positive review and five-star rating on iTunes. Be sure to check out our podcast section on our website, bryantlandcountry.com, for previous podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Official Bryant Land and Twitter at 3 Land. This has been an AB3 Media Production. Join us next time for another edition of the Bryant Land Country Podcast. <laughs>